Welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hello. We are a supernatural horror podcast where we tell each other stories that are allegedly true and often have a few drinks along the way to make it more fun. We are kicking off season two today. Yes. That's right. Hair of the Werewolf is now officially one years old. (laughs) We have learned some lessons, started forming positive habits, and some bad ones, too. And even picked up some skills along the way, which is no small feat considering all the alcohol that gets in the way. (laughs) Uh, We've come a long way since our first episode, and we aren't stopping yet. And trust me, every time we hear someone's like started listening to our show and they're like, we just started episode one, we're like, oh no. (laughs) I have to like, (laughs) I always, I cringe a little bit. I'm like, oh no, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I feel more comfortable doing it. We're a lot better at not doing what we think we're supposed to be doing. Right. I feel comfortable acting a fool. Whereas before, I think I was like hyperventilating the whole time. Right. Yeah. I did not have regular breathing patterns. I think you notice like while. Uh, you listen to the first episode. I'm like, why am I pausing like halfway into sentences? I'm like, oh, it's because I'm breathing so hard because I'm so nervous. <laughs> and when I get nervous, I get super interrupty and it's not because I'm trying to be mean. <laughs> so she had to edit so much of the first many episodes because I was just rude, interrupty face. Well, it's because I'm nervous. I mean, also from that, like, Honestly, we would record for like three to four hours. We'd have long, long sessions. We'd be going off topic. We'd start talking about all these different things. And then all of a sudden, like, here I am seven hours later. So <laughs> trying to edit one episode. I mean, it was a nightmare. But no longer. We no, only no cut longer. out little. We barely cut anything out now. We're just cleaning it up. So yeah. this is <laughs> you guys are listening to pretty much our story, which is the way it should be. So this upcoming season is super exciting to us. We have quite a few things planned, but don't worry, we aren't changing any of the things that you love. So it's not like, oh, we're changing up. No, not at all. We're not doing that. But you can definitely expect more content, like more drinking game episodes, more special episodes, more on-location recordings over, you know, throughout the season. And we also have other additional content planned and other exciting things, but we're not going to announce them until they're ready to go. Yeah, definitely. We we find sometimes if we announce something too early, we don't realize how long it's going to take. So from (laughs) now on, we're only going to announce those things when they're ready to go. Yeah, we get really excited thinking like, oh yeah, this is totally easy. And then, you know, two weeks later, we're like, what have we done? Yeah, forgetting (laughs) how much work the actual podcast takes. It's like, where's all this infinite time we don't have? Yeah, what happened? I don't know. I mean, because we have to have time to research, time to record, time for the hangover, all of it. All all of it is part of the process, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, season two, ready to go. <laughs> Super excited for this. And uh, you might have noticed a slightly updated intro music. Ooh. We hope you like it. We kind of changed some things that had been bothering us for the whole season. Same thing, but trying to make it a little cleaner, a little bit better. So we hope you guys like it. And I think maybe we should get rolling into your story. I think so, too. I will mention real quick, I am drinking a beer this time. Oh, that's true. I'm having the Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Which is actually really amazing. It's actually really good. (laughs) I really like it. I Um, am not drinking today. No. In fact, you are not drinking all month. I'm doing No Drink November. Yay. So I'm on, you know, water, all kinds of water, carbonated water, cold water, warm water. All the waters. The water that comes out of the shower head if I'm really thirsty, I guess. Ooh. You know, all water. <laughs> so I'm on water, but uh, Lily will be carrying the torch for this month. Yeah, don't worry, guys. I'm so, here for you. So wish me luck on my weight loss journey. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, hope you guys get to party like Lily. There you go. All right, here we go. So my story for today is the Newsham Park Hospital. 
name's familiar, but I don't know what it is. I was wondering if maybe it would like strike something in your it head. It might but... as you tell me, because the name sounds familiar. Yeah, so it's located in Liverpool, Merseyside, England. Oh. Maybe that's why, because we've kind of been there in that area. Oh, ye old Liverpool. <laughs> the weirdest name for us. For the town citizens, ever, uh, what is it? Liver- They're Liverpudlians. Yeah, super weird. But I mean, kind of cute. Uh, the building was originally built in 1869. You know, they should just call themselves Puddles. <laughs> I knew you weren't done with that. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking, it's like, why don't they just call them Puddles? Because no one wants to call them, like, Livers. It's like, we're just a bunch of Livers. We're like the Liver. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, Liverpool and all its Puddles. Yeah. See, I think that sounds cuter. But that's weird, too. But everything they do is weird. Even the accent isn't called, like... I mean, I guess you call it the Liverpool accent, but they have a whole different name for it, too. Like, What's that? They call it Scouse, like the Scouser accent. Oh, well, that makes sense. So they just keep changing the words. It's like, stick to it. Like, you have the London accent in London. <laughs> People over there are Londonians. You got the Yorkshire accent, because they're from Yorkshire. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. And they're just Yorkies, huh? They're Yorkies. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> National food is the peppermint patty, something like that. Peppermint patty? Yeah, the York peppermint patties. Oh my God, help me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm done. You should get to the story. I'm jibber jabbing. <laughs> I guess we haven't learned anything. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the building was built in 1869 uh, when a group of Liverpool ship owners sponsored an institution that would support children and the wives of British seamen that died at sea. This would have been very helpful at the time uh, because there was no life insurance or pension plan that existed at the time or any other kind of uh, standard funding. When was it built? 1869. I think yeah, I said absolutely. 1969. 1869. Yeah. This... Get ready, people. Insurance gonna... <laughs> really wasn't a big thing <laughs> yeah. back then. Exactly. 18. Remember. <laughs> get ready for her to get the wrong century every time. Uh, every time. All the time. Okay. Initially, the building housed 46 boys and 14 girls, but by the following year, the Liverpool Town Council gave the organization an additional 7,000 square yard to expand. By 1884, the institution was in full swing and the orphanage was housing about 400 children and then um, 400 more that were being supported by their mothers at home. So, like... They were still living at home because they had a surviving parent, but... Would they, they would like, get, go there during the day? Well, they would go there for the, for education, or they would just get uh, some sort of funding, like, nice. like because their dad died at sea kind of thing. See, I wanted to say this sounds like a really good thing, but the fact that we're reading it on this podcast <laughs> means it's not. It sounds so nice. <laughs> Let's help people. <laughs> Hauntings. Yeah. Um, also, another thing, I was kind of wondering, because I kept hearing, you know, they got funding and they have all this money. I'm like, I wonder where it's coming from. Well, it kind of turns out that it was all funded by volunteer donations. Even Queen Victoria joined as a donating patron in 1886 after visiting the institution. By 1918, during World War One, the institution was now held. It now held thousands of children. Despite uh, there being a war, there was a great interest in preserving the orphanage. Queen Victoria and George V gave the institution the title royal and was granted the Royal Charter Incorporation. This allowed the orphanage to maintain itself and to continue to grow. However, by World War Two, the children were forced to evacuate the city as all children were. Yeah, they all went to the countryside. Right. And uh, by 1946, after the war, it proved difficult to bring back the children to the orphanage, especially those with surviving parents. Mm. Also, England was going through a transitioning phase where they were rebuilding and uh, the government also had implemented financial services. This would have minimized the need to send their children to an institution for education. So they were also getting like already money. It was no longer that necessary. Not that necessary, right. Right. 
By July 27, 1949, the institution closed, but there was still funding being funneled through to continue supporting the education of children uh, from deceased British seamen. So that was still like a thing, even though it closed down. So like you said, it did seem like a very uh, uplifting and effective organization. But there is a different perspective. <laughs> oh, no. This is just what you read about in history books, but it's actually worse. Right. It's like what we got in school. So now here's like what really happened. It turns out that the institution wasn't as righteous as it appeared on paper. There are stories of children being mistreated while they lived there. One of the darker kept secrets was on the top floor of the attic. When you enter, you'll see cupboards align against the wall where children were locked in as punishment when they misbehaved. No. Yeah. Uh, The rooms are the size of a small closet with a thin bench against the wall, like the back wall. There was nothing else in the room, and depending on the severity of their punishment or the ill heart of their punisher, they could be there for many days in complete darkness with no food or water. What the fuck? I don't know, man. What happened to these people? Uh, Siblings were also separated. I'm not sure why, but... I kind of like thought about it for a second and I wonder if it's kind of like a tactic, you know what I mean, to kind of not have any kind of emotional support and to also kind of rely more on the institution to, to keep you in line. That's, That's just a, a really weird guess that I have. It's a messed up tactic. I know. But He's I was like, like, we want this school to work, so let's ruin you. Right. Let's destroy you emotionally. Let's basically break you. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> the conditions were also so bad that they had to install anti-suicide grills on the, on the winding staircases. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Little kids. Well, I mean... Anti-suicide uh, Some of them were small kids. children, but I don't know if the small ones were Probably trying to jump teenagers. off. But the teenagers, right. Um, after learning this side of the story, I'm starting to understand why. After World War II, they were like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you, you'd think if you're like, hey, we're paying to put in anti-suicide prevention measures, they wouldn't stop to think... Maybe we're the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are we the patties? Yeah. Um, so now let's move on to the hospital, because like I said, no one really returned after the World War, and in 1949, they closed down. Uh, Newsham Park Hospital opened in 1954. As soon as the doors opened, the hospital was flooded with patients. It was a psychiatric ward, and like many psych wards at the time, it wasn't about uh, treating the patients so much as just keeping them there under poor conditions. Some people that were admitted there was against their will, and sometimes they weren't even sick. Like, they would just uh, be dumped there for bad behavior, or, i.e., women just were acting up. And also, anyone that signed uh, that had signs of depression would also end up there, which... We know how well they handled depression <laughs> you know. in the late 1800s. <laughs> but this was, like, in the 1900s. This was a 1950-whatever. What did I say? Oh, wait, wait, wait. So... So this is after the school closed. Okay, so when the school sh- shut down... It, in 49, it just, 18, yeah. or uh, 1949. So it just got converted into a hospital. Right. So I kind of like jumped pretty hard. I was hard confused because when you said it, now the hospital's like, oh wait, so it was a school and a hospital, but now I'm realizing, no, the school became a hospital. I might have missed that. My bad. No, no, you're totally fine. So I'm just jumping ahead is what I'm doing. So not a cool place to be. In 1988, the hospital stopped accepting new patients. Uh, I think it's because they were no longer getting funding, uh, because not long after, the hospital closed and all the patients and staff were being transferred to other facilities. In 1992, the Rainhill Lunatic Asylum transferred their inmates to Newsham Hospital. Uh, (laughs) This transition was made because it was a bigger facility, but even with its large size, the building ended up uh, at 90% capacity. Okay, so 
Usually we hear about things that used to be insane sounds, but have been like converted to something nice and new now. Right. Like it's a hotel now, <laughs> or it becomes a school. I don't think I've ever heard of like we had a school and then we just decided to let an insane asylum move in. I like a violent one though, because yeah, this just, is like a for criminals and stuff. That's just ridiculous. They're just like, hey, we're not using this building. Bring me all your crazies. <laughs> wow. It even housed some of Britain's most infamous killers, like Ian Brady. I guess he's a big one out there, who was a serial killer between nineteen thirty. Oh, sorry, nineteen sixty three and nineteen sixty five. In 1997, the hospital closed and remained vacant until it was sold to Gateway Properties in 2004. They had plans on converting the building into condo, so they were actually going to do something with it. (laughs) But they were going to make something nice, I guess. I don't know. Um, For those of you who haven't heard any of their episodes, <laughs> me and Lily are currently looking for a house, yeah. and it is our fear to live in a place that was had a horrible past. Can you imagine buying a fancy new condo and knowing that like it had <laughs> abused children and then like crazy serial psycho killers. serial killers in yeah. it? Need a discount on that. At the one. very least, uh, anyone who moved in there should know, or like a right? quick a quick Google, dude. Like honestly, <laughs> you would have known. <laughs> So, yeah, so they were planning on doing that. However, the local generation campaigners shut that down and the building went up for sale again in 2007. So that was not allowed to happen, I suppose. Uh, from the most current information I came across, it is now owned by Angle Farm Limited. Uh, but I think that info is a few years old, so I'm not really sure if that's still current. However, their intentions was to convert and refurbish parts of the building into event venues. And uh, so, But as of today, nothing has been done. So... Maybe that fell through, too, and I just don't have that information. Sounds like prime real estate for haunted houses, just like uh, that one hospital down in New Zealand that I talked about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Now they run it as, like, a haunted house. I'm like, See? brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. So I'm going to give you just a brief description of the building itself. The property has six attached buildings that total to 99,000 square feet. Since it's now abandoned, there are still equipment and furniture from when it was a hospital. In certain areas, you'll see abandoned wheelchairs, gurneys, lockers, chairs, operating tables, laundry, and sewing uh, equipment, and other creepy stuff that was left behind. Uh, it definitely adds to the creepy vibe, in my opinion, when you look at pictures. So you did see pictures of it now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's video, pictures. I mean, tons of people have gone in there. Perfect. Yeah. A lot of the building is not accessible because it's so dilapidated, but there are areas that people can still go into. In fact, there are haunted tours year-round. Nice. Yeah, I know. I was so excited when I heard Man, that. We missed that while we were I out know. There. It was only like an hour away from all the entire area that we were hanging out in. So I was like well, super we'll bummed. We'll be back. I mean, yeah, sure. It'll be easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go into the tour haunting stuff a little a little later. Uh, but for the outside of the building, all you have to do is envision an old, large 1800s British building with brick walls, multiple pitch roof sections, and a fancy boarding school vibe to it. And that's basically your building right there. I'm pretty sure we can all picture that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually think it looks really cool. And it does have a lot of potential. Um, Would you buy a condo there? Is um, it that cool? (laughs) Maybe not in the attic. (laughs) Not that part. The inside, however, is still like, woof. It looks ugly as hell. So here are some few recorded deaths that I was able to find. In 1880, a man in his 50s was found in the lake near the property with his uh, throat slit with a razor, and the razor was then found in his pocket. 
in eighteen. Yeah, so it's I mean a murder. I can't imagine. I know it wasn't <laughs> in the building, but it's still creepy. But it's like on the property, so I think it just adds to it. Uh, in ni- or eighteen ninety one, another man was found dead in the lake. In eighteen ninety seven, the body of Florence Hansfor- Hansford. Hansford, a domestic servant, was also found floating in one of the lakes. Uh, this is not a good lake to be around. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> so it sounds like the lake is the problem. I know. It's like maybe it's not the building. I didn't get a date for this one, but a nurse was found dead on the staircase by the main corridor. A woman dressed in the late 1800s clothes has been seen wandering that same staircase today. Everyone just assumes it's her, I, I bet. They just assume it's her, for sure. It's also claimed that someone hanged themselves in the bell tower, but I wasn't able to get a lot of info on that. Maybe, you know, records get lost. There's been wars. What a terrifying image to, like, look up at a bell tower and just see a body hanging there. Uh, So I decided to break down the hauntings uh, that people experienced the most based on location. That's not to say that those same experiences don't occur anywhere else. It's just that they're more common in these certain rooms, if that makes sense. You'll know what I mean. We'll go into it. In the main hall, people feel an overwhelming sadness there. Uh, They will also hear scratching noises from the balcony and footsteps. In the dining hall, it's common to hear dragging noises. In the G ward, where the dead bodies were stored, uh, there's a gurney that's still there that has lots of paranormal activity. Uh, One of the gurneys, you can see the outlines of previous dead bodies that have been left and a permanent Uh, mark, yeah, from their decaying bodies. That's disgusting. That's what it looked like to me anyway, yeah. The gurney will move on its own, shake, or roll across the room, especially during a seance. People have attempted to do some experiments, like uh, place a glass on top of it and then only to see it fly across the room and shatter. A small child is also seen on the same floor, and shadowy figures are definitely common. In the psych ward, in one of the ghost tours, during a vigil, one of the guides had a a piece of wood... (laughs) thrown at their head i forgot i wrote that down (laughs) uh that sucks (laughs) Uh, (laughs) what happened someone threw a piece of wood at me man what the hell you can hear also screaming coming from that room people also hear violent banging sounds like someone is trying to get out on the top floor there's a spirit of a little boy that roams the hall Uh, he is said to have died in one of the closets where they locked him in for four days so that the attic area that i talked about So he was locked in there for four days straight and died. During seances, people often get the name James. James has also revealed that he can never leave because someone is holding him there. Oh, that's messed up. I know. Uh, Many people suspect that it's a matron or the warden. A lot of people also see a small child figure in the hallway wandering in and out of the closet. So you'll see him like kind of zoom back and forth. The closet doors will also open, close, or shake on their own, especially when you're walking by them. Oh, that could just be rumbling on the ground. That's true, but like closing and opening, I don't know. It's kind of weird. In the basement, there's a man that is seen wandering, then disappearing into a wall. There's also a headless man that can be seen as well. Could be the same guy. Yeah. You never know. Oftentimes, people will experience pain on their shoulder. This is supposed to be a sign that the spirits want you to get out. People have also broken into the, or there's been evidence of people breaking into the basement and perform satanic rituals because they'll, like, the next day they'll see crucifix hanging upside down on the wall. Well, but that just sounds like par for the course. If you're going to have a haunted place, you're going to have a bunch of punks breaking in and doing stuff. And that's what I'm saying, because, like, they'll find, like, little bones in piles of ashes and other kind of 
the standard and how satanic many, how stuff. many scary movies actually follow the people who are breaking in to do this crazy <laughs> stuff you're like what are you doing like i'm not supposed to feel bad for you when bad things happen yeah, to you you're doing everything you can <laughs> everything you can so uh there's also a chapel there and there is also evidence of satanic rituals that have been performed there so that's kind of the hot spots apparently that people like to go to because they're pretty active for sure there is a laundry room and in there there's a woman by the name of mary that likes to hang out there she is not a peaceful ghost and hates it when people go in there for investigations there was an incident where during a ghost tour a tourist said that she can feel a hand on her neck everyone turned to her and uh they could see that she was kind of like bending her neck away from it trying to get away that's really messed up. Yeah, and then the tour guide approaches her and asks if she's okay. The woman didn't respond. The guide then asks again and again, but she seems to be in some sort of daze or a trance. Once they realized that she was unresponsive, one of the guides and the woman's friends took her back to the first level, and they stayed there for the remainder of the tour. Apparently, she was fine as soon as she left the room, because at first they were like, is she having a stroke? Do we have right. to get like an ambulance? But as soon as she like passed that threshold, she was like, oh my god, I'm fine, I just, I couldn't focus, and, you know, after touching on my neck, it was like this whole experience. Yeah, sounds really terrifying. I think if I ran a ghost tour and stuff like that started happening, I'd be like, man, I don't, I don't think my insurance is going to cover this. Maybe <laughs> maybe we should stop. Uh, remember, it's is the UK, so it's a little different. Oh, it is a little different. <laughs> their laws it's covered. Are, yeah, their laws are a lot more favorable. Yeah, you're like, you know what, let the demon eat me. I can't afford the hospital bill. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Oh. Okay. (laughs) And I'm sad. Uh, Here's some other general haunting experiences that people often have. Uh, Staff members and security guards all have a story to share, for sure. The most common experience they have is hearing distant voices deep within the building or seeing shadowy figures. Voices are also heard telling visitors to leave. Doors can be heard slamming from within the building and in areas that no one would be in because... Uh, they're just closed off or simply all the visitors would be accounted for and it's like who else is in here i don't know there's also an apparition of a young girl who is dressed in a long white dress that is often seen in the middle of the night Uh, hearing growls next to your ear is common feeling a breath on the neck when there's no one there getting pushed Feeling like someone is touching your hair or even getting pulled, I'd be Mm. like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Can you not? Uh, Can you freaking not? Uh, Oh, and there are also, of course, orbs captured on camera that can also be seen by the naked eye that a lot of people say they see. Oh, no. See? (laughs) Season two starting and we're already got the orbs coming in here. Already got the orbs. fucking orbs. Uh... Like I brief mentioned before, the building is open to ghost hunters for both private and public investigations and tours. During one investigation, they were uh, doing a visual when suddenly rocks and nails were being thrown at them. Another time they heard... (laughs) I know. I'm like, wait, this is really common, I guess. Another time they heard and saw furniture moving violently around them. So it's, it's apparently common enough where if you're invoking or like trying to talk to them they're pretty responsive which is really interesting so has any of those like ghost hunter shows gone there so the only one i found was this uh show called oh gosh what was it called i think i wrote it down somewhere let me see paranormal lockdown uk oh, okay yeah i didn't see Kudos that to them include me being a show about ghosts that doesn't have the word ghost in the title that's awesome <laughs> that's true it's Actually, uncommon it's not as common because ghost hunters and ghost adventures 
from what I saw, I didn't see, like... And don't forget Girly Ghost Hunters. Pop, girly Ghost Hunters. I don't think they've been there. But I don't think they went anywhere out of the United States, either, if I recall. I don't remember. Anyway, so, yeah. There was also an article I read that where they interviewed a guy named John Gray, who used to work at the hospital as a switchboard operator and receptionist. Um, he confirmed that the staff was absolutely terrified to enter in certain parts of the hospital, like refused. In his personal account, he went into the basement to get a blanket because the hospital would get very cold. When he reached the bottom of the stairs, he saw a headless man in a white coat standing in the middle of the room. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the figure then began to walk towards the wall and walk completely through it. So he knew See, it wasn't just someone pulling a prank. Yeah, I was like, those are the ghost sightings I mentioned. When people are like, I think I saw like a little kid in the distance. I'm like, there is a chance there was a kid in the distance. <laughs> they it's do just exist. creepy. But I was like, you don't see too many headless guys around. That's <laughs> that's all of a sudden he either has a really good imagination or he saw something creepy. I love it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> so while he was at reception, he also noticed a woman dressed in Victorian clothing standing on the stone staircase that was located on the opposite side of the room. And then she disappeared. So I'm guessing maybe it's that woman that died on mm-hmm. the staircase. That's my association there. She's so popular. She is so popular. She's like, here. <laughs> I died here, and so I want to be everywhere. <laughs> Every haunting. Uh, there's a ghost hunter by the name of Philip Barron who has taken over 20 tours at this place. When I read about this article, probably been more now. Someone's obsessed. Someone likes it. Uh, common experiences that he's had was seeing shadowy figures and hearing disembodied footsteps. However, the scariest thing that he captured was in a group photo he took on his phone when they first entered the building, but right before the tour started. So they hadn't like gotten into it yet. Mm -hmm. He says that he didn't even notice anything was wrong until the picture was posted on Facebook. So he posted it, but like... Oh, he didn't even even catch it then? Right. He didn't catch it then. He noticed a strange shadowy figure in the middle of the picture. Everyone else in the photo looks normal with the consistent lighting. I mean, it just looks like, oh yeah, that's the person. There's something weird there. But then you see like this... I don't know if it's like a woman or a man, but... So you saw the picture? Oh, you can see it. It's very... Yeah. If you just Google it, because it was like in a local newspaper as well, or uh, article, I don't know, something. It was like a big deal. And so now, if you Google it, it's very easy to find. You have to show me after this. I will. (laughs) I don't think we can use it on Instagram, because if it belongs to him, I'm pretty sure that's... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's everywhere, but eh, whatever. So there is a ghost hunting company called the Dusk Till Dawn event that hosts paranormal investigations and tours every weekend, like I said. I went to their website, and it seems like they really put on a really good show. Nice. Uh, Directly from the website, they say, Vigils and seances with the Dusk Till Dawn event team will work alongside... Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. So it's not just tours. They do seances? Uh Uh-huh. That's not a tour? That's like... It's like an overnight thing. Oh, No. Absolutely. I'm not doing that. <laughs> not even close. Uh, why not? I don't need to be anywhere near a seance. Fine. I'm taking someone with me. Whoever, I, like, whenever... I like how you're judging me, but you won't even play a Ouija board with me. Hold on. <laughs> I never said I wasn't going to watch. I'm just not going to participate. <laughs> um. So, yes, I want to go and watch. I'm going to record. I think we can record. I don't know why we wouldn't be able to. Catch anyway. some orbs. I'm going to catch some orbs, yo. <laughs> That's what we should call it whenever we go, like, ghost things. Like, let's go catch some orbs, yo. I'm, I'm, I'm living with that. That is, I'm setting in stone. That's what we're going to call it whenever we go to a haunted place. Let's go catch some orbs, yo. Part of our vocabulary now. <laughs> Great. 
Uh, yeah. So they uh, they work alongside you throughout the entire night, and they do the investigations where there's most active and very scary locations. You also have free time at this location where you can conduct your own investigation should you uh, want to during the night. Ghost hunting equipment will also be available that they provide. They also do Ouija board sessions, like you said, and other kind of... I think they... I can't remember if they do the flashlight thing, but they do other things. Totally, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And they have recommendations if you want to do them yourself. Uh, The tour also costs 69 pounds a person, which in the U.S. dollars is $93.14. That's not actually that bad for an really overnight isn't. thing. No. You know? Even a really well done tour you anticipate to cost a decent penny. I mean, yeah. if you see like a $10 ghost tour, you're probably going to get a $10 ghost tour. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, 90 bucks for like a big old thing, especially overnight. Like you said, yeah, I anticipate it. A- yeah, at first I was like, oof. But then I remembered all the things that they provide and, and stuff like that. So it seems pretty reasonable to me. Absolutely. I did actually watch uh, tour guides being interviewed by the Guide to Liverpool channel on YouTube. Or I don't know if it's like just a channel on YouTube, but I saw it on YouTube. And they said that in their most recent tours, one of their guests were pushed into a doorway and another kept feeling like their clothes are being pulled. They claim that those are just some of the more tamed and common occurrences that people experience. The two hosts from that show, the the Guide to Liverpool channel. Sure were led into the building for their exclusive tour, which not long after, one of them started to scream and start to freak out. He claimed that he saw someone behind them. One of the guides then points at the direction that he they thought maybe they saw him sure. and says, on that doorway, there's always a man often seen standing there. And the host was like, that's exactly where and what I saw. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I definitely recommend seeing this video. It was really entertaining. The main host even comments that when he went on the tour or like when he thought he was going to do it he thought yeah it's, we're going to just have a laugh i'm going to mess around it's going to be really fun but then later on in the tour he admits how completely terrified he is and he, you can tell like he's doing everything in, <laughs> he can to keep his shit straight like right. he can't even conduct a proper interview it's pretty funny uh towards the end of the video the host asked the tour guide is there any chance that a spirit can latch onto you and go home with you? So if I go to the pub after this, there wouldn't be someone with me from the 60s. <laughs> then, the, then the guide responds, who is awesome, by the way, says, it's rare. You're more likely to drink the top shelf spirit than connecting with one. Oh, that's a good line. <laughs> I know. I thought that was cool. I feel like there's a cool podcast name in there somewhere, probably. Uh, during their tour, they also heard a door jiggle, saw apparitions, so we saw that that man, like I mentioned, yeah, yeah. feel cold spots at different points, and one of them even started to get a headache, so got physically affected. And as it turns out, that is also something very common to experience. Like in general or there? There, during a okay. tour, yeah. I haven't heard headaches before. Headaches, feeling dizzy, I've heard that, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So because of that, actually, the tour guides did mention that they do carry water and snacks on them at all times for that very reason. And also they have like kind of somewhat of an exit plan. Like they know where to bring people that are just being severely affected by the whole scenario or just too scared. And they have like kind of a safe spot. They're like, okay, let's bring them back and they can hang out there with another tour guide to like help them out and stuff like that so they really have their shit together i like how that's their reason they're like oh just in case bad thing like 
paranormal experiences we got to have snacks with us it's like almost everyone we know that carries snacks with us it's because they're moms they're like <laughs> i have to have snacks with me for the kid for me like they get it there's like, no hauntings involved just at all. to shut them up he's like here have a snickers <laughs> here's, a, here's a granola bar <laughs> for your snack <laughs> He's much, mom, I think I'm being possessed. Fine, fine. Here's fine. some gummy bears. Leave Here's me alone. some candy, whatever. <laughs> Mommy's talking to the handsome ghost hunter. <laughs> Ew. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that is basically my story. Those are some of the personal experiences that have occurred as well. And yeah, that was a weird ending I just had. Right, so, <laughs> just kind of abruptly ended there, but that's right, it. So I totally want to visit this place. I totally want to do it. And I want to do a normal tour. Mm-hmm. None of the seance overnight crap. Homie, don't play that way. <laughs> but I'll totally do... I'll even go at night. I just... The minute people pull out ritual stuff and start... I'm out. I'm like... I'm beelining it out Yeah. There. Yeah. So maybe not this ghost tour. There's probably other ones that I didn't uh, come across, but I'm sure there's got to be a day one. Yeah, you know what got, I mean? Yeah, or, so. I'm still okay at night. Like, they give you a flashlight and, like, I don't know, a can of Sprite, so just in case you get thirsty. <laughs> and you're like, have fun for an hour. I'm like, sweet. A can of Sprite for your Sprite? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> All right, well, good story. I'm kind of sad that we missed this place because we've done haunted stuff in Liverpool. Actually, that was, like, the focus of Liverpool was haunted it stuff. It really was. Heck, we even went to a movie in Liverpool, just to see what movie theaters were like in England, and we made sure we saw a scary movie. Well, scary's subjective. well, it was on we Zombieland too. too, like a horror movie, not <laughs> right. scary. Yeah, and obviously we did an episode on it, which I don't remember what number it is, but it's fairly it's early. early on. It had yeah, been early it was. Um, but yeah, we missed this, and there were other stuff. There's another story. Maybe you should let me do it. Uh, that we researched. There's a, there's a haunted like flat business mm. that I'm pretty excited about, and we were thinking okay. about going to it, but it was really far away, and we just didn't have the money. <laughs> so, but anyway. Great story. I love it. Yay. I'm glad you liked it. I really enjoyed researching this one. It was pretty fun. Well, I think we need to get you another drink. I mean, I've still have plenty of water. The world is full of water. (laughs) So I'm good. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back for my story. Okay, guys, we're back and I hope you guys have your drink or your coffee or just your attention because it is now Chase's turn. Or your gummy bears. Or your gummy bears because obviously. (laughs) I don't get it. Oh, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) As you longtime listeners are aware, my stories often fit within a theme. The most dominant theme I did over the last season was my end of episode encounters, which focuses on both alien and UFO type paranormal stories. The other was my tropical terrors segment, which tended to focus on horror content from islands and tropical locales. Both of those will continue, so don't worry. But today (laughs) I'm going to officially introduce a third theme to my stories, and that is Burke Booze. (laughs) So, I love it. this segment will totally focus on hauntings within Albuquerque, but also New Mexico. Even though I call it Burke, I'm doing all of New Mexico here. So, get ready for the first installment. Real quick, I want to give a shout out, which is a trendy way of doing a citation, <laughs> to the book Haunted Albuquerque by Cody Polston. It's a well researched book about haunted locations throughout the city, and I used it heavily in my research for this, and I expect to use it going forward. I will mention whenever I use this book heavily every episode because it, it's well written. It's and just good. Give credit where credit's due, all that good stuff. Heck yeah. 
So in order to introduce this segment properly, it's only fitting that I begin with one that Lily and I have a personal vested interest in. Ooh. You don't have to live in Albuquerque to have seen this particular haunted locale either, as it has been used in various TV shows such as Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. The haunted building I'm referring to is the old Bernalillo County Courthouse. <gasps> Oh, yeah. Located at 415 to Harris Avenue in Albuquerque. A structure considered by many to be the most haunted building in Albuquerque. Although, to be fair, <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of the stories I'm going to cover about Albuquerque have some sort of claim that it's this, the most haunted place in of Albuquerque. Course. So we just got to accept that everyone's going to say that. Because uh, I didn't mention it because it should have been obvious, but my hospital... One of the most scariest places on Earth. <laughs> totally. Obviously. As scary as a volcano. Uh-huh. Even though it is currently known as the old Bernalillo Courthouse, it wasn't the original. In an effort to meet increasing demand, a larger updated courthouse was required and was constructed in 1926 in what was then known as Newtown, but is now referred to as Downtown Albuquerque. <laughs> Over the course of the 20th century, its look changed with each subsequent expansion and remodel. Originally a brick building, it was upgraded with marble siding during the 1964 expansion. Now, don't let the words marble fool you. <laughs> this building, at least in my opinion, is hideous. I don't think you could have created a more plain and featureless building. It is a wide building with evenly spaced windows throughout. The only distinguishing feature is the entrance doors, the absence of which would make the orientation of the building arbitrary because it kind of looks the same however you look at it. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to say, if I was on my way to a court appointment and I saw this building, my feeling of optimism would likely disappear instantly. <laughs> The building would function as both a county courthouse as well as an office building for nearly 75 years before it was finally surpassed by the new minty fresh Bernalillo Metro Court building a few blocks north, which, by the way, is an awesome building designed by someone with less of a brutalist architecture fetish. During these... <laughs> Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> During these 75 years, stories of hauntings ran wild and to this day continue. Many of the most commonly experienced paranormal activities include lights switching on and off without anyone controlling them, as well as flickering lights, mm. doors being unlocked or opened when no one had been in the building. These are doors that need keys to lock and unlock. Oh, nice. Unexplained gusts of wind, cold spots, many of which would move over time, objects moving or disappearing, and the dreaded feeling of being constantly watched. As exciting and creepy as all of those things might be, there are quite a few instances of bigger things happening in the courthouse. A paranormal instance of particular interest happened in 2003, not long after the courthouse had closed. A company utilizing the ethically questionable practice of using <laughs> convicted juvenile delinquents for manual labor was in charge of cleaning up the building. Throughout the process, multiple kids had claimed to encounter supernatural things, but it was one instance that stood out. Just before taking a lunch break, the chain gang gathered to make sure everyone was accounted for. I'm sorry, the chain gang? Yeah, that's what I'm calling it, because these, <laughs> were, these are delinquents forced to do work against their will. Nice. Okay, I get it. <laughs> it was at this moment that a large and terrifying sound captured all of their attention. Down the hall, a large book had hit the ground and slid out into the hallway, spinning around in circles. Everyone who was supposed to be in the building was in that room, and an immediate inspection of the area proved that no one else was around. The book didn't haphazardly fall off a shelf. After hitting the ground, it slid all the way into a hallway with considerable force. And the spinning also adds a level of unnaturalness to the event. 
To make matters even worse, witnesses claimed that a substantial cold patch of air formed around the vicinity of the book. The book itself was rather old, having been published in the 1920s. According to the book, it was quite a while before someone was willing to touch it. I wish I knew who finally said, ah, screw it, we gotta get this book up. I wanna know. I just wanna (laughs) know. So, what was the book about? It It was a law book. Oh, just a law book? Okay. It is also worth noting that at least two people died in this building. Both, oh. allegedly, from heart attacks. One of which was in the basement. Mm. Most of the hauntings within the courthouse have a tendency to occur in the basement area. You know how much I love basements, so this just makes <laughs> sense to me. One of the more well-known of these hauntings is the regular appearance of a benign apparition on the western end of the basement hallways. The ghost appears to be that of a little girl with blonde hair and pigtails. The apparition appears to be nonviolent or intrusive, And I only found one story in which the ghost interacted with people. Hmm. And I'll get to that in a little bit. (laughs) I also couldn't tell if the girl looked ethereal like a ghost or had the appearance of a tangible person. But either way, I can say that seeing a little girl in the basement of any building where they shouldn't be, (laughs) let alone near jail cells, which, by the way, the basement was full of all the jail cells. Yeah. Would be a rather alarming event. I just don't know what she would be doing down there and also my instinct when you said that was like it's got to be like maybe demonic but you didn't say it was violent yeah see because they tend to you know you always hear you know demons sometimes like disguise themselves as innocence and stuff like that so that was my first inclination said there's only two reasons this girl would be here she died here or it's a demonic like it's fooling. Right. I actually think I probably talk about that later, but we should get to it right now. Yeah. Okay. It was something that like whenever you see a little kid's ghost, it's usually because a kid died and that's a mm-hmm. traumatic thing. Or yeah, some demons are trying to <laughs> mess trying with to lure stuff. you, trying to, you know, make you interact because people tend to be obviously more empathetic and just trying to help a ghost to to be free or whatever and they're like gotcha (laughs) why would a little girl have died in the jail cell area of a courthouse uh clearly the officers were not doing their job if they let that happen (laughs) she shouldn't have even been down there. right not at all not even a little bit so cody polston interviewed someone who worked in an office located in the old courthouse building they were busy filing paperwork late into the night when they left their office to let their boyfriend in who had brought dinner When they returned to the office, they found that the very paperwork she was working on was scattered and thrown throughout the office and hallway. They checked to make sure no one was around or that there were any open windows or gusty vents that could have caused the disaster. But they found nothing. They also mentioned there was a new and profound smell in the air, one they described as being, quote, the scent of age and mildew, end quote. Ew. Yeah, pretty gross. Unfortunately for them, or at least her... This was only the first paranormal encounter that she would experience at the courthouse. Sometime later, after yet another late night, she was leaving to head home. Before exiting the building, she overheard what sounded like the crying of a little girl. Oh, hell no. Again? (laughs) She decided to investigate, as any mortal person would do, just to make sure a girl wasn't left behind in the office overnight. I just want to say that I don't know what I would do in this situation. Run. If I was in the building late at night that should have been otherwise empty and I hear a little girl crying, I think my first reaction would be fear. Like, seriously. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. I mean, uh, I think what I would do since she was on her way out, right? Like, she was by the door. Yeah, she was leaving. Okay, I'd be at the door and be like, hey, baby. (laughs) Hey, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Go home, baby. Go home, baby. (laughs) So, I mean, seriously, what are you assuming when you hear this? 
the building's supposed to be empty. You're like, is there really a terrible parent who left their kid here late at night and didn't realize it and didn't come back and get him? Or something else is happening? It's definitely something else. But this woman here that we're talking about, the one who was interviewed, she apparently has nerves of steel because she decided, I'm going to go try to find this girl. Nice. Yeah. Way to go. She totally should write horror movies because, you know, <laughs> she's the main character. She is definitely the main character. As she followed the sound of the cries through the hallway, it brought her to a stairwell on one end of the building. The cries were coming from down below. Mm-mm. From the basement. God damn it. See, that's luring. Uh-huh. That's demon. Now, just think about what you would do in this situation, because chances are she's going to do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. She decided to investigate the basement. <laughs> what child would even go into right? a basement? That's just what I'm saying. Like, even if it was left there, a basement really isn't all an you instinct. Do, all you do is scream, hey, baby, <laughs> come up the stairs. <laughs> the exit's up here. You come here. I got some candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> up here. Get out uh, of the creepy basement. Right. Baby. Uh, anything. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> <sighs> when she arrived in the basement, the lights were all off. Of course they were. As soon as she began walking around the basement, and I can only assume she turned on some lights while doing it. Right. She could no longer hear the crying. She continued looking around until she was overcome with the sensation that someone was right near her. Ew. See? Yeah. She turned around only to find a small blonde girl standing there. The oh my gosh, so she actually saw... Okay. The little girl's mouth appeared to be moving like she was talking. Only no sounds were being made. Oh my god. When our brave worker took a step towards the little girl, the little girl vanished into thin air. Okay. The interview doesn't detail what happens next, only that the worker felt an overwhelming sense of sadness. I'm assuming that's because the interviewee didn't want to say, I ran the fuck out of the She's building. like, I might have shat my pants. But she might not have. She might have been like, because she's so brave. And you're like, little that's girl, true. come reform in front of me. I'll take you out of here or something. Maybe. I mean. Sounds a little demonic to me. It sounds. But the fact that she didn't feel scared and more sad, that throws me off. I don't know. Apparently in the weeks that followed, she would begin to see the same girl's face appear in various windows throughout the building. Okay. Calm down. She described it as an extremely emotionally troubling thing, and she also claims that she eventually quit, in large part because of these occurrences. Mm. Oh, really? So she was no longer, like, having it? She yeah, didn't, okay. I don't know how long. I didn't get a time frame for, like, was she still there for a couple more months, or was this okay. happening every day? The interview didn't have all the stuff. Maybe he asked those questions, but they, he didn't get good answers. I'm not sure. Right. Although the basement seems to be the most active area, many of these stories imply that the entire building is haunted. A recent interview with Tom Ruiz, who was a court administrator and worked at that old courthouse for 25 years, mm. mentioned in an interview with KRQE that he believed the entire fourth floor of the courthouse was haunted. Oh, wow. Okay. Fourth floor. Like, he said the whole thing. I mean, 25 years, he had to have heard it all. Absolutely. You know. You know and I was having trouble. I couldn't find anything about the fourth floor specifically, mm -hmm. but I'd like to point out as this guy, even though he's retired, a professional who worked in the courthouse for 25 years, you don't say the fourth floor is haunted lightly. Like, if you say that on yeah. news, this is the TV news station, <laughs> that maybe there's some sort of level of credibility to at least stories. Yeah, I agree. So I think this guy's like, yeah, fourth floor is haunted. For sure. So growing up, I had seen this building many times, but since I had little exposure to legal matters at such a young age, I didn't even know it was a courthouse. It doesn't look like a courthouse. It looks like an ugly square. It just looks like a building, like a boring building. Yeah. 
Now, if you remember, I mentioned that Lily and I had a personal interest in this building. Well, that's because Lily and I actually visited it personally. Yay. Which might not seem like a big deal, except we got to visit it late at night. And when we did, we went into the basement. <laughs> we did. With flashlights. Uh, also, they did not turn on the lights down there. Nope. They were, it was pitch black. And yeah, we had flashlights. That's the only way we could see things. Like Pitch black. Yeah. So we were pretty lucky to have that experience uh, as that structure really isn't open to the public. It hasn't been since it closed no. down. Yeah. Especially the basement. So there is apparently some, over the last like 20 years, there have been offices that have functioned in the top, but the basement's pretty much been closed off. You don't need jail cells active in a non-courthouse. Right. So we were able to go into the basement. Now, this wasn't urban exploration or anything illegal like that. We had permission <laughs> as we were part of a small group doing a ghost tour. I can't remember the specifics of how we got the tickets, but it was a trolley ride ghost tour that took us to four different locations throughout Albuquerque's downtown and Old Town area. Mm-hmm. We might talk about some of the other locations in future episodes, so I'm not going to mention them just yet. But the final location was the old courthouse. This is when I actually found out it was the old courthouse. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to lie that I was pretty underwhelmed for the most part of the tour, but this location was quite different. When we entered the basement, I was hit with a strong sense of sadness. This was an unhappy place. Looking around the basement, it was apparent that it was rarely traveled or frequented by people. Oh, yeah. It felt like an abandoned building. It was dusty, old, dingy, falling apart, and as dark as could be. Like I said earlier, we only had flashlights. So if you went away from the group, you were enveloped in darkness. You were very much alone. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy because this was kind of like a winding corridor, small areas. This wasn't yeah, because, a big open area. I don't know. Like I, It was really hard for me to get a real detailed layout because everything was so dark. Yep. And everything... Anything I can't that remember I, it specifically, yeah. I can't remember it, but I just, you know, I would turn a corner and there were just more uh, jail sale spots. and, and or, then hallways. You, or hallways. Or mm-hmm. And I'm like, where am I? I don't even know. It smelled stale and stuffy down there. It was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. And we were able to wander a considerable portion of the basement. We went into several of the various jail cells that they had, as well as to go through several of the long corridors. The moment that had the most profound effect on me personally was this one long hallway that went away from the jail cells. Initially, it was a square concrete corridor with all the pipes and wires that one would expect. Mm -hmm. But when we reached the end of the corridor, there was an area we had to crawl over to reach another long hallway kind of room area. The walls were incomplete here and the concrete unfinished. Much of this room, the walls were dirt and bedrock. Yeah. And there was bags and stuff stored there. It was very weird and it was pitch black. It was like we were in a part. It's like we were in an excavation site. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. Now, this area felt super uncomfortable to me. And this is when I got really, really, really nervous. Because when I was there, I was like, this is... And it wasn't like we weren't supposed to be there because we were allowed. It was like, no, this place is not cool. And I got very uncomfortable. And it felt unsafe. We didn't continue further. There were doors at the distance. And I can't remember if the people running the tour said, no, we're not going any further. Or Mm -hmm. if people just decided to leave. To turn around. I I don't remember. I honestly think we were just turning around because the people that went that far, they they kind of flashed their lights and so did I. Or so did we. And then just turned around. I don't know why. I was kind of freaking out then, so I don't remember. So I'm glad you kind of remember it. (laughs) Yeah. When we returned to the main section of the basement, that's when we went into a different hallway, a smaller corridor that had a lot of different doors on it. Mm -hmm. And that is where you had a profound experience. So I think you should tell them what happened to you there. (laughs) I think it was just something really strange. I don't know if it was like profound, but 
in it one of... It was the most freaked I'd seen you in a, like, in a long time. Yeah. Well, because, like, I couldn't... Okay, so here's what happened. So we, we went into one of the rooms, and as the freaking tour guide was saying, this spot tends to be um, most haunted, which, again, he's said that, like, a hundred times already yeah. in different parts of the building and also in the tour previous. And I'm like, oh, sure, 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 sure. So I go in there, and all of a sudden, I feel, like, this overwhelming sense of, like, dizziness. And I'm like... Did you get cold, too? No, I didn't get cold. Okay. Uh, I just felt like... I just made that up. You know how when you get dizzy and you kind of start feeling your head tilting backwards, yep. you're like, it's going to happen. I'm going to pass out. I was like, oh, F. So I stepped back and I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. I was like, holy cow, what's going on? And then uh, the tour guide said, so if you guys feel anything, let us know. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> you haven't earned my response. <laughs> Well, I think I also, I'm like in denial. I'm like, I don't know what happened. That was not an experience. And so anyway, that's, that's just all that happened. And I remember you asking, you're like, are you okay? Because I guess you can really see it in yeah, my face. Yeah, absolutely. I you mean, were, your face was white. <laughs> that's very hard to do super considering pale. I'm brown. Yeah, yeah. it's super pale. <laughs> no, I'm like, you're apparently having this huge experience. And I'm just looking around I'm like, that's a door. That's a door. That's a wall. And I was like, oh, well, just, it's a corridor. And that's how I felt when you freaked out earlier in that one area. And mm-hmm. I was like, what's going on? And you're like, I got to get the hell out of here. I'm like, okay, I don't know. It would be just our luck that we're totally affected by different spiritual forces. So, like, we could go to a place that's haunted by multiple things and we're both going to feel stuff, but not the others are like, you're full of it. That didn't right. happen. It's never the same time. It's never anything like that. Never any of that. And for all we know, we were just affected by black mold. So, who knows? Because it was, we couldn't see. Was it moldy? I don't know. Yeah, you couldn't tell. Everything looked black. <laughs> yeah. So that was our little, it wasn't urban exploration, but that was our one of our first haunted exploration stories. Yeah. It was an awesome experience, though, and I think I'm down for seeing more haunted places late at night with flashlights, but no seances. <laughs> okay. But I also have to admit that it was made doable by the fact that there was a small group of people with us, and yeah. so kind of having other people around made it helpful, because I think if it was just you or me... You and me would be able to hype our fear up just enough that we would just scare ourselves to death. I but think like we having would. a small group really helped. Like at least four people, and you don't split. Oh up. yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like I think it was just us. I I feel like, well, unfortunate. Well, fortunately for us, since we don't experience things at the same time, or we never have, mm-hmm. or whatever. And even me, I don't even have them as often as you do. I think I could keep control, but if something happened to me... You need someone to get your back? Yeah, I have a feeling you're going to be like... You faint and I have to drag your, <laughs> drag your like, possessed drag ass out of body. there. Uh, Yep, you're going to have to do that because I don't know what to do. Drink the ghosts away. Drink the Drink ghosts the away. Drink the ghosts away. All right. In the summer of 2020, the old courthouse building was finally sold for a paltry $647,500. That's just over half a million. Yeah. There are a lot of houses in Albuquerque selling for that much money. Oh, yeah. This is in the center of downtown, and it's a massive building. Yeah, but can you imagine the work that's needed to be done, too? That's millions of dollars. And that's what they said on the news. They said the low price was explained to have been because the building was so outdated. But I don't know how... I mean, that's still half a million dollars for a massive building. Yeah, that's true. At least for the property alone, like... I mean, obviously not 500000 worth, but maybe. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I was thinking that maybe it was cheap because a lot of people didn't want to touch it because it was so haunted. <laughs> but it could true. also just be it's just too much work and people don't want to deal with it. Because, I mean, construction is always expensive, but construction in the middle of downtown, it's got to be more expensive because you have to do more things to get oh, around yeah, it. Oh, yeah. For so sure. It, that could be it. It could be we'll sell it cheap because we know you're going to be spending a lot more money elsewhere. Let's just live there. 
But since the building is in need of updates and repairs, I'm not sure if they're going to just renovate it or level it and build a new structure. Chances are if they renovate it, the hauntings will remain. But as we had a conversation the other day, if they build a mm-hmm. brand new building, the hauntings might be there too. Because you can't just get rid of a you building. Can't get rid of the ghost. Usually depends on the depends on what's there. But sometimes, yeah. Well, we've talked about this before. There are ghosts that are attached to the space, and then there's and ghosts objects. that are attached to the object. So if the jail cells are removed, maybe they follow them, or they just I don't know are released. Maybe absolutely. Who knows? So whatever they do. I'm preferring that they build a brand new big building there because I love giant buildings and Albuquerque needs more of them. So mm. I think we should just do that. Even if it's haunted. All right. <laughs> Even if it's haunted. <laughs> Even if it's haunted. So that's it for the first installment of Burke Booze. <laughs> I'm really liking your intro and outro. <laughs> yeah. I know they should be sound clips, but it's funnier when I do them with my own voice. I like watching it more too. Because yeah, I'm very animated while I do it. <laughs> I look like I'm struggling with my own voice. It's awesome. Yeah, but I like the hand movements, too. (laughs) It's good. So I think that brings our episode to a close. And if you have any comments, questions, or personal scary stories you want to share, drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com or through any of our social media accounts. As always, we post episodes every weekend. Should be on Saturday, usually. And you can find us on all standard podcasting platforms. We are super excited for this upcoming season, and we have lots of new things planned. So keep listening to find out more as it comes to fruition, as I said earlier. Yay. We're going to keep drinking, and we hope you do too, or at least when you can responsibly. Mine's going to be water, so that's always responsible. (laughs) And if you're not drinking because you partied too hard last night, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya. See ya.